0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Lowdown. Today, I am delighted to be joined by the Academy Director of Austin FC, Juan Delgado. Juan, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you, Conor. My pleasure being with you guys today. Juan, i um, just going to begin. What does football mean to you? Wow, that's,
1: that's a, big, a big question. Nice one. Uh, football to me means joy. It means a way of living, and, and it means uh, most, important, most importantly, uh, a way to be connected to a higher purpose. So I, I always say, "I can see my 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 signature is using the power of football for serving humanity better." You know, I think we we'll have be fortunate enough to find our our call and to dedicate our life to the way we love. And uh, we have the opportunity to help a lot of people and to support the other people dreams. So that's what football means to me at any, any given
0: level. And obviously, you've dedicated a significant proportion of that time whilst you've been involved in football and uh, coaching. Um, how early did your journey as a coach begin? Uh,
1: at... I had an excellent question and begin very early because at uh, age 19, I had to, unfortunately, I had two ACL uh, surgeries in a row. So I realized that uh, playing won't be anymore an option for me. So I started coaching at, at very early age. So I was 19 and I was lucky enough to to join the Real system as a as a volunteer first, you know, it was uh, as, as an assistant coach of one of the uh, lower level uh, U, U, U10, I think, at the time. Yeah. So yeah, and my, my my journey began there, and as I said, very lucky to join the club, but then just at the beginning of the new era when, when the coach family acquired the club and built the uh, training facility and brought the, uh, the most advanced methodology at the time no? in Spain, so it was very innovative and I spent nine years of my life there learning a lot and, and making uh, life long-lasting friendships as well, so it was a great experience.
0: And of course, you spent the majority of your early days, Juan, at both Villarreal and Valencia, households, prestigious names when it comes to Spanish football. But then you received a surreal opportunity, really, at the time, very early in your coaching career, to join the Aspire Academy in Qatar, where you were to go on and spend 12 years. Would you have foreseen, before going to Qatar, that you would have spent 12 years in Doha? Not really, not really. The idea was, the idea of going abroad was always
1: in the back of my mind Uh, after nine years, 10 years in total in Spain. uh, My girlfriend at the time, with my wife right now, and the mother of my two two daughters, and myself, we were thinking, you know, or having an experience, as I said, abroad, right to the 2008 crisis. We move on 2007 you know, after the crisis was a common thing for spaniards to, to move and to have experience outside of our country but pre- previous to that it was a common, you know, life in spain and the uh, quality of life was very high and uh, people wasn't wasn't uh, as i said you know willing to go abroad. So we had this opportunity to go 2007, September 2007. Uh, And the idea was to go just for a year, go there, have the experience, uh, you know, learn uh, about other cultures, uh, have the opportunity to to also change uh, experiences with other other coaching schools. And uh, yeah, but it turned out to be we had 12 years of our lives, and, and as I said, a lot, of, a lot of friendships, a lot of experiences, a lot of traveling, uh, so success and failure. And uh, as I mentioned, we, we, we went being two and we came back being four, so big memories.
0: And speaking of traveling, uh, your career has been one big journey so far. You're on another journey today. We were just speaking off camera, Juan. Where you guys after to today? Uh,
1: I, I, sorry. Can you repeat the question
0: I asked? Uh, yeah, no. I was just saying that um, we were speaking. We were speaking off air before the podcast began. Juan, you guys are on the road today. Where you guys? Yeah, off to- yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, that's a reason I, I couldn't hear the, the question, actually, is because we're the interview while I, we are in the shuttle bus in our way to Dallas. So, yeah, you're
0: right. And uh, your current role now within the Academy at Austin FC, I mean, presently, how would you describe your job, Juan, and what does the day-to-day look like? Yeah,
1: that's a good question as well. Yeah. Uh, so, my role is basically, it was and it has changed over the, a year and a half here, you know, because initially the idea was together with the Tyson Walt, the general manager, to develop not only the, the academy but the strategy as well. So, helping out, setting up the different departments, the different strategies, uh, the vision of the academy, ultimately, you know. And, uh, and nowadays, is, it's is more fine-tuning the, the training methods. So we have created the structures. We have created the, um, as I said, the, the four pillars that for us are, are uh, the way we organize the, the key processes. One is the football performance side. Uh, the other part is the human performance side. Uh, there is a there is another pillar for us that is obviously the talent management, which involves all the decisions between players, and then the uh, football operations as well. It's basically all the administrative uh, logistics. So that's the way we organized. Uh, that's that's what uh, the beginning was. The focus of creating the right the structures and, and the right processes and, and finding the right people. Right? That's a, that's the, was the most challenging and the most important one. So hiring the right, the right profile of people. So and, and nowadays, my focus is more on the on the football performance side. Uh, so trying to make sure that the,
0: the methods and systems and the coaching is, is, is world class. So
1: and we constantly evolving? So uh, since the academy is, is as only two years old, uh so the process has been the process of growth is, is been very constant so we are expanding from three teams to five teams next season for instance so we this also has an impact on uh, the coaching philosophy because we, we had developed a, a model for the u15s 14s and 13s now we have to adapt and adjust this model for the U, u17s and for the u12s as well so it's a constant evolution. It's a constant learning, trying to try new things, uh, learning by experience, and and again trying to, to fulfill the main goal, which is becoming a reference here in the U.S. by 2026. Both uh, hey guys, developing developing players, but also to go to the Valero. Do you asked uh, we have to turn around, or do you want me to just? Do-
0: and I suppose, one in terms of building an academy from the ground up, uh, establishing a philosophy, recruiting staff, recruiting players, establishing that culture, what was the most challenging aspect? Well, to,
1: to be honest with you, if you have a clear vision on how, where do you want to go, uh, the challenging aspect it's been it's been very it's been easy i i have i'm afraid to say that you know and, and the audience might think that I'm, i want to be humble as humble as possible but i think it's been easy because things are thrown you know and, and i think it's very important to to have a clear vision of what you want to do and then and people and create the right culture because you know it's uh I think it was Coach Gooden, Young Gooden, saying, you know, if you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you better build a team. You know, so so that's uh, that's the philosophy. So we, we, I knew where we wanted to go. Uh, I didn't know how to get there. You know, I had some some ideas, but finding people with uh, thirsty of knowledge, uh, willing to Work as a team and, and creating the right culture, you know, where people can feel endorsed uh, and vulnerable as well, you know. So when, when mistakes are taken as an opportunity to get better and and uh, supporting each other is, is something that we embrace every day, it makes things easier. So for me, it's, it's a vision, and it's the values, and, and creating the right environment so people can thrive and learn and don't be afraid of. Uh,
0: make and in terms of building that culture from scratch, I mean, what are your non-negotiables when you begin building that culture? What does it look like? One.
1: That's that's a very interesting question. I mean, non-negotiables is discipline. Non-negotiable. Hey Non-negotiable okay is uh, empathy. Uh, Non-negotiable is understanding that we human beings and, and uh, putting the person first, understanding that every player is a project, regardless of his own potential. You know, it could be a project for, for Champions League or for college level, so, but it's still a project. So putting the focus on the, on the players. And again, I think when we have a dilemma here, it's always getting back to the question, is, is that good for the player? So non-negotiable would be that. Timekeeping is a big one, which I'm not very good at, uh, but I'm trying to, to be as, as, I mean, after 12 years in the Middle East, I'm a, a, being a Spanish, you know, uh, is something I need to work on. Uh, but yeah, and then again, having a, a, a culture where the best ideas always triumph, uh, and I see... I think it's important as well, the way I'm seeing leadership is I, I always have the uh, analogy of a traffic light, you know, so knowing when to allow and to have the green light, knowing when to discuss things and coming to an agreement and, and knowing also when there is a, a boundary or a line and it has to be the red light. So I, I think we've, I've been very fortunate of the group of people that we've been able to
0: and in terms of building that culture, I mean, you obviously had your own idea of it's what it would to look to work work like right? prior to moving to Austin. Um, was that a combination of your experience in Villarreal, um, and uh, in Qatar today. or w- did you have to adapt and slowly refine that idea when you moved to Texas? Yeah, I was lucky
1: enough to have, uh, I would say, three months to see how things were functioning, understanding a little bit of the culture, the, the different structures and, and clubs and what were the motivations as well for families, you know. Uh, so seeing the difference from from my previous experiences, you know, and understanding the, the American model was, was my First priority was uh, this was understood. Again, I was lucky also to have uh, uh, the possibility to hire uh, three more Spanish individuals that they were living here in the U.S. Uh, so it was easier for me to convince them and to create the line of work, <clears throat> the line of work for for the others to follow. So that, that was that was a that was a lucky strike, to be honest. Having, having people close by and with the ability to hire them, it made my, my life easier. And uh, finally, the, the experience in, in Doha gave me also a lot, a lot of uh, resources and tools, you know, of dealing with different cultures. So, we have we have here at the academy 13 different nationalities as well on the sorry 11 nationalities within the coaching staff so i believe the different backgrounds so that's that's something that we had as well in loha and i think you know respect is a big one understanding that uh everybody has his own background culture and and, and,
0: I've been respectful to that is, is response that I really Of course, Juan, you also have that academic background too. You have that PhD in football science. Now, having the perfect blend between practice and theory, in your opinion, why do so many coaches at the initial stage of when they're trying to build that culture like you are now at Austin FC, why do so many coaches get that relationship between practice and theory run? When they're implementing a game model,
1: yeah, I think I think people realize that, uh, or the idea, at least the approach from my end is that science has to support uh, or data in this in this case. You know, we live now in a data-driven uh, era, and uh, and I think. For me, what I have tried always to do is to simplify things without losing the essence. And for for the coaches to understand that football is always first, teaching the game is always first. And then there is a, a different different tools and technologies and, and disciplines that you can use to, to give sense to this pedagogical process. Uh, and again, I think as 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 important as having a clear game model in, in mind or in, or in design, having a clear pedagogical model, model is is as crucial as that, or even more. You know, because so, at the end we forgot that we are here to teach the players, right? And we are yeah. The more the coaches know about the game potentially, the more they will be able to teach, but not necessarily. So I think having a teaching model, and uh, this is something we, we start developing now, I call it a, a version 2.0. We have created version 1.0. Uh, when we have a clear set of principles, we know what happens every day, we have a, a monthly cycle that allows us to uh, both uh, learn our our main principles, but also prepare the boys uh, for different scenarios, and different opponents and different uh, future coaches as well. Um, but the pedagogical piece is something that I'm, I'm very keen to go deeper into, uh, mixing different teaching styles, you know, uh, giving, giving room for freedom and, and replicating the street, the street football piece, which uh some people is missing, you know, the new generations are missing basically and we forget the importance of that, the importance of joy and uh, just play. So and and this day, the coach has to be an observer, maybe, instead of trying to to interview and there is another day in the week where uh, we need to, uh, we need to and use the discovery process. And maybe we need to, you know, go into uh, this guy discovery style where we ask the right questions and we we give a lot of information in, in, and they need to process it. Another day is, is the day that we're going to be the surgeon and we're going to push them emotionally because it's something they're going to face, you know. And, uh, and uh, finally, is the, the confidence day as well. You know, as we approach the game, we want them to feel confident. We want them to have a lot of success. We want to be focused on on the right, the things that they do well and praise them. So again, there is a, it's been a journey, and uh, yeah, you have to have your principles. You have to have your clear how you want to to play and how you want to train. But then it's what else can you do to help the player, you know? How can you present the information in a way that is challenging, but at the same time is, is, is rewarding the, uh, the efforts too? So that's, that's where we are at the minute, right now.
0: And I suppose one interesting point there, you speak about creating joy in training, making sure the players are enjoying themselves. You think there's too much fear in youth development that it's not about thriving; it's more about survival of the fittest.
1: Yeah, well, it depends on where you are, but again, and it depends also, generally speaking, I would say yes to your question, right? Uh, But we need to understand also the the culture of every place is different. So if if, if, if a youth coach is judged upon their performance and results, let's say the results, so he's going to act in a particular way, you know, and the culture of the club and this repeats over the time, it becomes part of the DNA of the club and, and by default, the coaches are going to uh, act on this sense, you know. So if you make sure that the focus is on developing players, and if you make sure that The players understand that we are there to help them arrive to the first team first and foremost and and if not to to develop their level to the maximum capacity and this message is is, uh, reinforced by the higher ranks within the club then everything becomes easier you know and again i think culture is you can build it different ways but there is a there is a tendency that is from top to bottom so if the ownership if the owners of the club if the sporting director if the head coach of the first team uh, have a clear vision uh, like they do have here in, in, in austin that the academy is meant to develop players uh not to win the next game but of course everybody wants to win but uh, if this message is, is strong enough
0: the coaches are going to understand it and, and, and they're going to leave the training process on this week. Fantastic. And then if we're to focus back, one on the technical and tactical stuff, I mean, in terms of identifying players based on your game model, based on principles of play, do you guys focus on any key performance indicators or analytics to track this? Not really. I mean... We, we,
1: to be honest, we try to simplify things. Uh, we know the kind of player we want, all the kind of combination of players we want. Because at the end, is is a, you know, talent in football is is a very wide, complex concept, right? You can you can be talented as Drogba, or you can be talented uh, Jordi Alba. know and if you compare these two players and you ask somebody who doesn't know them they will not tell you that they play the same sport right so so talent comes in a variety of ways and forms in football so the idea is to find the best players and to teach them how to play the way you want to play right and to use different strategies to develop themselves so and when when as per the use of data is, uh, is concerned, we do use uh, the speed the speed test basically to to uh, to uh, to support the decision when when scouting players. So when we have to recruit a player, the first thing is observing. Uh, whenever we do a trial here with the with the team, when we invite them on trial, we do test we do test them. In a very simple manner, using the GPS, so we don't, we don't, uh, but with this data is important for us because at the end, uh, if you analyze football right now, and uh, if you watch a game from 10 years ago and you watch a game from yesterday, uh, the main difference that you're gonna see is the, the speed of play, the number of high intensity actions, uh, the profile of the players, basically, you know, You need need players that can cope with this high intensity. And and again, you need good players, but they need to be prepared to to these demands. And and don't forget that we are preparing players not for the game of today, but for the game of five years' time, you know, or 10 years' time. So we need to understand that the tendency is only going to increase in this case. That's why it's important, for instance, for us, we train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, four, four times. Next year with the u 70s, we're gonna train also twice in the morning, but it's gonna be more individualized training based on uh, technical development, individual analysis, working on the mental skills and stuff like that. Uh, but for us, the Tuesday is the day that we also replicate uh, the game day. So the Tuesday, normally we do what we call the formations game. So we merge two teams, We they play for 15 minutes in one formation against another formation. We ask them the questions that we want them to realize. And, and the reason for that is not only the tactical awareness that we want to develop, is also the fact that if you're gonna be a high-performer uh, football player in future, you're gonna be playing most likely Wednesday and saturday or sunday so you're gonna have uh a, a middle on the week game so we need to prepare them too physiologically for this you know and how to how to recover from this whether it's mentally or, or, or physically so the idea is this trying to envision okay how, how football will look like in five ten years how can we give them the tools to prepare them for this reality
0: mm-hmm. It's a fine gap to get, Juan, between developing the player individually and looking at the teams as a whole. Um, Johan Cruyff famously once said, teams don't develop, individuals within the team develop. And ideally, if you have better individuals, you'll have a better team. Um, we've seen the FA in England in the last five years, they've put more of a concerted focus on addressing this issue too. And they get clubs known to adhere to a philosophy of super strengths. Or basically players in each of the academies in the E triple P system within the UK, they'll be focusing on each player's individual strength, be it physical, be it technical, tactical, psychological, or socially speaking, too. I mean, for you, getting that balance correct between how they relate to each other as a team member and how they're balancing that with individual work. You see the future game perhaps. We're see, we've are we even heard Roberto Martinez speak about his Belgian team in Euro 2020. Football today, compared to 10 years ago, a completely different game. The pace of the actions, the space on the pitch. Roberto Martinez speaks about the game being a series of 1v1s, hence his desire to play a 3-4-3 to integrate as many of Belgium's attacking talents at his disposal into that team. I mean... If I had to push you for a certain formation, for a certain style of play, which you think will be beneficial over the coming five to 10 years, what does that look like?
1: That's a very, very interesting question. Thank you. I think there is no, a, a close answer to that, you know? But I think, and again, you just need to analyze the game it was five years ago when everybody relies to the four-three-three. You know, the four-two-three-one, and it was it was hard to see the 3 center the structures. Uh, While well, recently, in the last three-four years, we started to see more and more teams adapting in the the line of three, whether it's with five or with three. Uh, so Again, there is, okay. there, is a, there is a trend uh, in this sense. And I believe the answer to your question is you, we need to give the boys uh, and the girls the opportunity to experience and learn as many systems of career as possible. And uh, having one, uh, let's say, main formation that you use, because it's the one that helps you develop your, your style better and creating the the dynamics that you want to appear in the game, but the principles are regardless of the formations, you know. And, and again, depending on the formation, you will enhance more ones or another. But uh, for us, the main principles of the game are, are something we're trying to replicate, and, and this is our our DNA. But the formations, we're trying to teach them all, basically. And uh, I mean, there is, there is a bunch of information. Formation in youtube about Bielsa and his ideas on the formation you know how we match up every single one against each other and i think it's really we took we took the essence of the idea from him and uh, we we try to simplify it and adapt it to our reality but again i think we need, we need to try to teach the young players how to how to play against the different systems how to play within the different systems how to play within the particular system on low, medium or high block, you know. So although you're gonna have an idea that is your main main proposal, uh, during the game, you know, a million things can happen. And you can get a red card And then you have to change the strategy and even the formation because you have one man down, you know. So how do you react to that? How do you adapt to that? How do you manage the spaces, the time, uh, on this sense, you know, so the more variety of opportunities you give to the voice to experience the better. And, and again, that's positionally specific as well. We, we, we talk about having individual goals, individual plans. Sometimes we need to use the positions to develop the play, not to help you perform it, you know? So if you have a player that needs to, for instance, Uh, If you want to encourage a player to get the ball into the space, you know, because he always comes to support and you think, okay, I want him to to develop the habit to to want the ball into the space because he's a fast player and he doesn't take advantage of his speed right now. So maybe if he's an attacking midfielder, you might end up playing him as a winger just for the sake of, okay you're gonna receive the ball into the space in more occasions and you want gonna have the opportunity to experience that in a better way if you go into this position. So so how do you use systems and positions to develop the individual? I think it's important to
0: take it into account. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think it's a case of formations are becoming more and more outdated. It's more about an adherence to those principles of play. And as you said, Juan, it's about creating that lived experience for the players on the training ground, adapting to different systems, adapting to utilising different principles of play. And at the forefront, I suppose, of that teaching is, of course, the coach. And we, in fact, had FC Cincinnati, Head of Player Development, Larry Sunderland on recently, and he spoke about, you know, being a coach at the forefront of this narrative. You know, it's a daily challenge with yourself. It's bridging the gap between what is and what can be. I suppose for a lot of young coaches watching this interview, Juan, I mean, what questions should they ask of themselves? Should they indeed wish to rise through the ranks like yourself?
1: I think I think uh, what is important to me looking backwards is you need to learn different methodologies. You need to be open to to different styles and ideas. Uh, I like the tactical decision model as a, a organizational framework. I think it helps organizing your your concepts. Uh, again, that's uh, something that is very personal, but I do believe that in your development, the team it has to be the vehicle to the individual development, and uh, this can be achieved. Mainly if you have the focus on the player, because at the end, for instance, we, we were talking about how can we develop the, the technical development, you know, the technical practices that we aim to develop uh, the positional specific uh, situations. So, and we start thinking, all right, what, what are we here for? We're here to produce players for the first team, right? So, so maybe the that we started a discussion and the, and, and the conclusions were very nice because we, we realized, okay, at the very beginning we need to rotate and provide the, the young players with the basic skills. They need how to pass the ball, they need how to control the ball, they need, you know, uh, how to strike the ball and this is going to be a more generic uh, technical development uh, kind of, of, of uh, exercises. As they grow up, they need to understand the position very well, you know, and, and, and again, if you're a winger, you're going to need to do the first touch correct, the crossing has to be, you know, uh, good one, so you start de- designing the exercises uh, more position-based. And then, when we arrive to the latest stages, we also thought, okay, so if our goal is close, our main priority is players have, why don't we design these practices, you know, development, uh, technical practices, based on their needs, based on the needs of these four, five, six, seven players that we believe they had the chance to,
0: to arrive to the first? So, again, for, for young coaches
1: uh, starting uh, their careers, I think be open to learn, be eager to learn, and think always. So, try, when you when you design an exercise, yes, you want the team to play in a particular way, but what is going to be the takeaway for the player? How can you support this player individual development by using the team as a big That might be the main idea and then create your own model, you know, don't be Pragmatic to any, any given moment. Try to learn. Try to evolve. Try to question yourself uh, and create a way of organizing your ideas that it, it helps in the, in the development of the players, but also it helps to for you to grow as a coach. So that's more or less what I would like if they can take this
0: away. And ultimately, Juan, in your role as academy director. What does success mean for you? Success for me and my role would
1: be a supporting the players to reach their own goals. As I said, this can be. Uh, played. We have a mantra: we want to put one player in the twenty-twenty-six World Cup. That's the idea, okay? That's what we want for. Them. And we when we in two, three years when we are fully built, we want to consistently bring two players every year to the first. That's that's the KPI. Uh, But as I said, apart from that, there is a coaching education piece of coaching development that uh, we are very committed to. Um, My success will be that our coaches all achieve their goals, whether it's uh, coaching at the pro level or or, uh, becoming a a world class expert in the, in the youth. Level. So that's that would be and for the rest of the players that they don't reach at all, if their goal was to go to college and, and gain a, 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 a fully right scholarship and them. To, you know that could, that's gonna be another way of measuring success. So basically that and, and having as well the uh, having as well the the satisfaction of looking backwards and say, okay, I helped creating a culture, I helped creating a model instead of imposing a model. So I I created something that lasted uh, a year by staying in the So That that would be the ultimate success for me.
0: And finally, to close, one club very close to your heart, Villarreal, of course, Wonder Maiden. European trophy recently with the Europa League against Manchester United in Poland. And at the heart of that team was a local boy named Pau Torres straight through the academy. Is success of that magnitude achievable for Austin FC in 10, 15 years' time? I believe so. I believe, yes. Uh, and again, I think we are is a good leader for us
1: to look at. a example. Uh, but here we are committed to the, the, the way that from the facility, the way it's it been built, I think I was showing you last time. Uh, you know that there is just a clear pathway from first team to, to the academy. Uh, the fact that we have, uh, as I said, as head coach, very supportive to the academy, Audio Reina, the sporting director. You know, his son is the 17 year old player. Champions League with, 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 with Borussia Dortmund, so better than him, you know, to understand that uh, if you give them chances to the players uh, and you believe this is possible, you know, you can have a 17-year-old play in the Champions League with Borussia Dortmund, in America. So, and his dad is a sporting director. Right? So, yeah, so, basically, I think we are in a best. Uh, Spot in the planet to make this happen, to be honest. And having said that, we already had four players, age 15 or 14, training the first in different locations. So this has happened already. I think we are, uh, everybody's committed, everybody believes this is possible. And hopefully, in 10 years' time, we will have another interview like that. and
0: they meet the list of players that they mean to the system you know? That would be a nice listening nice to how the years have been right and proposed all nice, Fantastic. Anyways, Juan, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, I can safely say to all Austin FC fans that their youth development is in safe hands but yourself <laughs> over the coming years. Um, I wish you and everybody else on that bus a very safe journey to Dallas and best luck with the tournament this weekend.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for, for your brilliant questions and your patience as well. I know it's been noisy at times with the interview
0: you know, here at, at the bars, but I really appreciate your time and the opportunity to share my ideas with your audience. Thank you.